Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Welcome to the Hardwood Handicappers Podcast. They're a bunch of guys who ain't never played the game, and they never got the girls in high school, and they just want to get <laughs> in the game. With your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. See, the thing is, you guys look at me, you see the backwards hat, the uh, gray socks, the funky outfit, and you say, now this guy's a chump, am I right? No, f***ing geek. A, a f***ing like geek. Only on the VSIN Podcast Network. What's up and welcome in. It's Hardwood Handicappers. Another episode on deck. Aaron Rinning is with us today. A short intro because I'm, these podcasts, of course, not insanely evergreen with everything going on, short shelf life. Uh, but before we get to ER, who's going to join us here on this podcast, I do want to point out a couple of things as we have watched this postseason unfold, discuss them a little bit more at length. Uh, we are recording this on a Thursday, as you know, so we're going to see the Bucks and the Nets go at it later tonight. We're going to see the Clippers and the Jazz, a Clippers team that I'm very high on. I just wrote this week on Point Spread Weekly about how they are the team to beat in the Western Conference. Yes, even though they are down one nothing in their series with Utah. If you've listened to any of my work or written any of my work, you exercise patience when it comes to these series, right? You play a best of seven for a reason. You allow the matchups to progress and play out over the course of a large sample size. So still pretty confident here in the Los Angeles Clippers that they will get this done against Utah. But really, I kind of wanted to look very quickly at Milwaukee and Brooklyn because I think this is pretty fascinating, the way that Brooklyn has played up to this point. The way that Milwaukee has played up to this point has been absolutely fascinating from a bad standpoint, not a good standpoint, um, because Milwaukee has had no answers for Brooklyn. But here's the thing. They haven't had any answers for Brooklyn and their defense, 97 points per 100 possessions to the first two games of the series, a negative 23.6 net rating. Milwaukee has looked absolutely atrocious. Giannis Antetokounmpo keeps taking transition jumpers, which stop, absolutely stop all of that nonsense. But him, Brooke Lopez, getting bodied up by Blake Griffin in those small ball five minutes, like it has been insane seeing how much this team has struggled with their game plan on offense and what they've been doing. And look, a lot of this falls at the feet of Bud. Uh, but I think it, it goes to all levels, right? Drew Holiday 
in some of his choices when he's got the ball in his hands. Chris Middleton settling for jump shots left and right, not using Giannis Antetokounmpo much as a screener and more as a ball handler. Like there's so many different things that the Milwaukee Bucks can do up to this point. And now I will say this, right? One of the things that I've been very consistent on, the Brooklyn Nets are shooting 40% from three in this series. And I always preach sustainability in this series is what you're watching as you move forward sustainable. And look, the the Milwaukee Bucks averaging less than a point per possession in the series so far, probably not sustainable. Shooting under 30% from, this, uh, from three in this series so far, not sustainable. But do not think for a second that the Brooklyn Nets and what they're doing is not sustainable in this series. The Nets were a 40% shooting team. They're taking on the 29th ranked perimeter defense in the NBA in the Milwaukee Bucks. What they're doing on the offensive end, Brooklyn, is certainly sustainable. And so this Bucks team, man, they, they might be pretty much cooked. You know, again, we have seen teams come back. We saw the Clippers come back from down 2 nothing just last series. So I'm not going to punt on any team until they have been eliminated. I never will do it. But the Milwaukee Bucks have dug themselves into a massive, massive hole. And they need to figure this out from an offensive standpoint. But that also asks for Bud to make adjustments. And you can't ask a old dog to learn new tricks apparently when it comes to Mike Budenholzer adjustments in him have not gone hand in hand and we know that that is going to be a problem for him and this Milwaukee Bucks team but you know we also have some other really fascinating big picture stuff in these other series up to this point Uh, for those who don't know I am invested in the Philadelphia 76ers to win this series against the Atlanta Hawks got them at minus 110 after game one and this is a team that I think as we have watched in the second halves of both of these games so far have had a leg up on Atlanta now it is somewhat troubling that it has taken the second half for them to extend their leads or in the game one at least get back into the game because they were down big but a negative 32 net rating for the Atlanta Hawks in the second half up to this point in the series of the Philadelphia 76ers they really don't have any answer for Joel Embiid I should even say they really don't they don't have an answer for Joel Embiid whether it's Clint Capella uh, or anybody else for that nature so you're going to hear ER is going to be with us on the other side of this Uh, bring up a really, really good point in terms of an adjustment that Nate McMillan could potentially throw out there in this series against Atlanta. Not really so much aimed at negating Joel Embiid because you're not going to do that, uh, but kind of fighting fire with fire a little bit. But maybe going a little bit smaller and forcing Joel Embiid on his bad knee out on the perimeter a little bit more could be a boon there for the Atlanta Falcons. Falcons, they got football on the mind, huh? The Atlanta Hawks as they take on the Philadelphia 76ers. And then last night, we get the Phoenix Suns absolutely paced the Denver Nuggets yet again. And this is one series that I, you know, I am pretty confident that I got wrong. I got a series ticket on this Philadelphia Phoenix at, in uh, six games at five to one, four to one, one of the two. Um, and it looks like this is not going to happen for the Denver Nuggets. I don't know where they get two games up to this point. Again, yesterday for Denver, offensive rating according to cleaning the glass and non garbage time minutes, a flat 100. Phoenix averaging 124.5. If you extrapolate it out over. 100 possessions Phoenix has just been really good man and especially on the defensive end of the ball at floor and here's what you do when you look at this series one of the things that really stuck out to me Joe man I'm all over the place huh Nikola Jokic and his supporting cast is he going to get enough out of the guys that are on the floor with him you can get away with a backcourt rotation of Facundo Campazzo Monty Morris Austin Rivers, now Will Barton, who came back in the last game, against the 29th-ranked defense in the NBA, not so much against Phoenix. And one of the things that I've been kind of harping on is look at these Jokic assist numbers, man, and they have been low. And look, he didn't play in the fourth quarter for the most part, so under that 6.5 assists, we're a little lucky to get there. But he averaged only 4.5. 
in that series against Portland. He only had three in game one. I would expect this trend to continue. So on those player props, for those of you who play them, uh, continuing to hammer the under on these Nikola Jokic assists has been something that has been pretty profitable and I think is going to continue as we move forward here in this series because he's got no help whatsoever up to this point. So with that... Don't want to waste much of your time. Again, these uh, podcasts don't have a long shelf life. They're not too evergreen. So let's talk with Aaron Rinning, uh, ER Sports 1 up on Twitter. Got a lot to lot to discuss with him over the next 23 minutes or so. Uh, remember, though, before we get to Aaron Rinning, please, 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 if you could, like, rate, review, subscribe. It always helps out with the podcast. always helps out to see the numbers grow. I uh, have gotten a glimpse on the back end, and I would like to thank any of you who are listening to my voice right now for any of the support uh, that you have given. It is very, very much appreciated. I've gotten a lot of kind words about the pod, and I appreciate that because I, I don't think this pod is anywhere near its full potential. That's not a negative thing. It's just, you know, a personal thing. I have always tried to grow and get better uh, at every single thing that you do. So, again, really very, 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 very much appreciated. Uh, everything in terms of the kind words that I've gotten about this and all the work that I do over at VSIN. Like, rate, review, subscribe. Aaron Rinning, when we come back. This is the Hardwood Handicappers Podcast. Interact with the show on Twitter at me, JVT, at Roach underscore 97, and at VSIN Live. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all. But I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't me? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Ashley Iconetti from the Ben and Ashley I Almost Famous podcast. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee, sounds perfect. All right, let's welcome in Aaron Rinning, frequent guest of the pod here on Hardwood Handicappers. Fantastic NBA handicappers. Well, man, I have learned many things from. What's up, ER? I'm doing uh, all right. I think you're probably doing a little bit better than me. I can't say it's been a great uh, playoff run for me. In fact, it's been uh, pretty blah. I mean, um, not winning, not losing, uh, losing a little bit more the last week. But, um, you know, there's still obviously time left. I feel like I've heard you break down some of these matchups and, you know, I, I 
you you do a great job because uh, you know as much as anyone you're into the matchups and that's really a lot of what the NBA playoffs come down to. I know you had a good read on the Nets Bucks. Uh, I think you have a, a pretty good read in the Utah Clips. We'll talk about some of that stuff. So let me ask you, what's your approach? Because so like personally, when we get to the postseason, you know, I like to I like to bet a lot of these series. Um, maybe pre-flop, maybe after a first game, something like that. You know, I took the approach uh, at Philly and Atlanta, for example, after game one. Um, Philly ends up losing, get a cheaper price on the uh, the 76ers at like a pick. So I generally get involved in a series and then we'll sit back and be super patient, like on a game to game basis, unless I see something that really sticks out, right? Like the, uh, like the Bucks being favored on the road against Brooklyn, or, you know, I think it was a game two bounce back against Denver, like little spots like that. Phoenix last night, I'll generally be pretty tame when it comes to the game to game, um, betting of the postseason. How do you approach things? I feel like I'm probably the opposite, JVT. Yeah. I, I think I'm, and I did bet a couple of series, a couple underdogs, um, including Denver. It doesn't look like it's got much. It's, it is, I say it every year and I fall for it every couple of times is it's just hard to win uh, betting these underdogs in the NBA playoffs. Uh, I think favorites were seven and one the first round with the Lakers going down with Anthony Davis, uh, the Anthony Davis injury. Um, you know, this round is already looking, um, like it's going to be favorite kind of dominated once again, but I, I think I like to be, I feel like as far as the game to game stuff, I, I feel like you're going to have your biggest edge in the first game, the second game, third game, and then, you know, everything just kind of gets cranked out and evened out by game six, seven, etc. And I, I think I'm changing a little bit how I approach these series. And I mean, obviously, yeah, team sweeps or whatever, but I almost feel like it's, and it's so great now because, you know, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, the adjusted series price were, were that, uh, prevalent, but now, I mean, yeah, after game one, game two, you can bet, you know, whatever you want on these series prices. I think it's good to kind of watch one game and, and kind of get a feel for the matchup and, you know, the speed, the size, you know, perhaps difference, et cetera. I don't know. I think I'm leaning a little bit more towards taking that direction on the series prices. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, the series prices that I've gotten involved with, it, it takes like, you know, like a, a little bit of an anomaly, like kind of like with the games, right? Like, for example, I had the Hawks a much bigger favorite than the minus 120 before that Knicks series, right? I had it more like minus 155, you know, that uh, Denver-Portland series I actually made Denver the favorite, little things like that are what really get me involved and you know you, you know how i handicap you know it's a lot of the matchups it's a lot of the numbers my, my patience comes from you know i'm more confident that over the the, set, the course of a seven game sample size or whatever the series is going to be that the numbers that we see are going to play out right so like i never panic like, you know i got this uh, clippers bet on this series and i was like all right they lose game one that's fine like it was a bad mm -hmm. spot we got the rest of the series to go like i'm pretty confident the numbers that are out there will play out more often than not over the course of a best of seven you know that's correct. As long as you have, um, obviously the execution and the coaching to realize it, <laughs> yeah. uh, which can be frustrating. And I think I, I made the mistake. Um, you know, I bet the bucks in the series, which one of the worst bets that I've made, you know, thinking that they could do this, they could do that. They will do this. They will do that. And then, you know, they're just such a poorly coached team. They don't do anything right, really. So, um, you know, so you got to be careful of that, I guess, where, you know, you had a, you know, we've seen with the Sixers in Atlanta so far, obviously you had one leak. You had to be able to guard Trey Young um, 
And you, you knew they could do that. Obviously, they kind of sort of shown that they were going to do that in the second half, not that much. Uh, and then, yeah, um, they were able to do that in game two. All right, so let's say that's a natural jumping off point. And, and we'll tie this into some, because I, I think the market's been kind of weird on some things. Uh, but let, let me ask you this first. Uh, as the postseason has gotten started, we have seen, you know, more home crowds. We have seen full crowd. Utah, was, it's ridiculous. Like, they're at full capacity. It's insanely loud. You know, we saw MSG in the first round. So I have kind of looked at this market ER and kind of calculated that it seems like the odds makers are factoring home court in at about like two and a half points, maybe a little bit less. Does that sound about right to you? Um, yes. And yes, you can see it kind of growing throughout the playoffs. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, let's, let's keep in mind, I mean, Portland, uh, the LA teams, Golden State, were not allowing, or I guess going back to the, the play-in game, I mean, not allowing much in the way of any fans. And now, bam, full capacity and you know, I think there is a little bit different energy and, uh, you know, the home teams, um, were under 500, yeah. uh, really going into the second round. And I kind of ramped my home court advantage up a little bit more. Um, and now I, I think you are seeing a little bit more effective right now. In fact, um, I think if you go back the last, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight games, the home crowds are, or the home teams are six and two against the spread. Yep. So that and doesn't you know, surprise me. And I kind of figured that that would happen and I, I wouldn't be surprised to, to see that continue. So, and you know, we're recording this uh, Thursday afternoon, so it, there's not gonna be a long shelf life on this, but it's still worth it, you know, pointing out cause we'll get this up pretty quick. So what I find pretty interesting about that is we take this Milwaukee-Brooklyn series, for example, right? Uh, the market, I think, has been kind of weird on this. You know, one, game two, the the overreaction to make Milwaukee a favorite on the road I thought was really weird without James Harden, right? Like the, the oh, my God, this team that has only played eight games altogether is now just dead without one of the guys, right, Like that's going to be on the court. Uh, that's really weird. But then we get to this game that they're going to play today, ER, and Milwaukee's laying three and a half. And look, we know everything, right? Down 0-2, going back home, you're going to get an inflated line regardless. But if we're taking that at face value and the odds makers are making this about a two and a half points worth in terms of home court, you know, the market today is telling you that Milwaukee is a point better than Brooklyn. And that's just something I don't buy into. Like <laughs> I have found the markets, the markets handling of this series specifically very odd, you know? I mean, my numbers kind of back that up, JV. So, so okay. I see where it's going and that's why it's being bet that way. Um, right now I have. Uh, Brooklyn about one point better than Milwaukee. Of course, that's without James Harden. I, I will say this, and I think this is one thing that I've learned over the years, and um, I, I think you can kind of clearly see it in play um, in, in in some of these series is, and I think that there's a big difference between the regular season and the playoffs as far as, okay, James Harden is out. Mm -hmm. in In the regular season, that's going to be a bigger deal um, for a couple of different reasons. And I think number one is, you know, Kyrie and KD, I mean, they're still going to be playing, you know, 32 minutes per game. They're not going to be playing a lot, but you've seen it now where, you know, the superstars minutes obviously pick up and you saw Kyrie play 45 minutes in that first game, even kind of when they had the game in hand. So no James Harden, but, in a way, it's not the worst thing in the world, you know, at least for a couple of games, because you have more KD and more Kyrie. Um, and I think you saw that with Utah. Everybody, oh, no Mike Conley, no Mike Conley. Well, a little bit more Donovan Mitchell, you know, because remember, he hadn't played uh, down the stretch at all. He was very limited in his minutes. 
against the Memphis Grizzlies. So you have to be kind of aware and be able to see that, you know, with the other side of the equation where the Lakers, they lose Anthony Davis and LeBron can't do any more than he is already doing. You know, he's already limited a little bit by injury. He's already playing max minutes and there was just nowhere else for that Lakers team to go. So, uh, yeah, that's just, it's just such a, it's, you got to have the players. It's such a superstar league. You, you know, you and I know that as well as anyone. So what have you made of uh, the Bucks overall? I think a lot of this is at the feet of, of Bud, but uh, I have been surprised by the passive nature of, of Giannis, Chris Middleton, like all of them. Like, I think at all levels, they're kind of failing here. Like ER, if Giannis takes another transition three, I like I would probably throw my TV through the window if I had anything Milwaukee related. Like I have no idea what they're doing at, at any level to some from what I've seen through the first two games. Yeah, I mean that's the good news is they've done pretty much everything wrong. So right. it's 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 rather easy to make some adjustments and improve. <laughs> you know, the bad news is they have so much to correct and so many flaws, it would be nearly impossible uh to get that done and be able to play um, you know, some pretty competent basketball. I, I, I think the coaching is probably the biggest extension of it. I mean, it's just the same thing year after year with this Bucks team. It's it's like that, you know, it's it's just you know, run rough shot over Detroit Pistons and the Cleveland Cavaliers and dunk on them and do this, and then eventually in the playoffs, you're just gonna run into a team that <laughs> You know, it's going to take away this, take away that, and then they just have no idea what to do. But, you know, the Giannis shots, uh, you know, to me, that's just an extension of coaching. A lot of it is the extension of coaching, you know, certainly the X and O's. But you even watch the Bucks, JVT. I mean, there's just so much. They only run like one action. All these teams, it's crazy. And then, you know, the one-on-one with Giannis, uh, you know, that – starting P.J. Tucker, the pickup of P.J. Tucker, number one, if anybody who'd watched the NBA at all this year knew he was completely a shell of his former self, and time and t- you know, you need shooters around Giannis. You have to have guys that can shoot, so now the, they start Tucker, a guy who can't shoot, so now you have two non-shooters, which just clogs up the lane that much more. It's just simple modern-day NBA basketball, and you know, a couple of other things here. I mean, Obviously, the Bucks team is aging a little bit, and they can't even compete with Brooklyn without Harden. So um, I, I wonder a little bit if they've quit on Budenholzer at this point. But I, I would say probably the biggest thing is what you mentioned. You know, there's just no no passion, the energy here uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, you know, the Nets are, are getting the second chances, you know, the dunk putbacks, uh, stuff like that. I mean, that is the stuff that's, I would say, maybe as shocking and glaring as anything when they're just simply getting outplayed as well. Yep, it's been really surprising. So as we stand right now, again, we're recording this Thursday. The Bucks and the Nets are going to play later today, so we don't want to spend a lot of time on it. This is the Hardwood Handicappers Podcast, only on the VSIN Podcast Network. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, 
elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to point game. King of the court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Ashley Iconetti from the Ben and Ashley I Almost Famous podcast. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Let's go to the uh, the Clippers and Jazz series. So where were you before this Clippers series started? I just wrote an article. Uh, it was funny. Right before game one uh, that I believe the Clippers are the team to beat in the Western Conference. And it was a bad spot on Monday, right? You play game seven. Then you got to go. Uh, not only a rested team, but a team that has been getting ready for you uh, in a really, really tough environment. And they end up losing that game by three. I think there was a lot of positives for the Clippers in that game as they go forward. But what was your read on the series before game one? And where do you stand after watching it? Uh, I'm pretty much kind of even keel. I did bet Utah in the first game when he ended up pretty much pushing uh, on a three. I did bet some more at halftime uh, in that game. Um, And it really was a lot about the spot, JVT. I I thought that was going to be very tough for the Clippers to overcome. Just the fact their best player in Kawhi, you know, was just so much all out in game six, seven. You know, the Clippers, if if they're going to be any kind of team, they're going to be a team that's going to let up and wait for that pressure to kind of build on them, it seems like. So I think you're right. I, I think you're, you know, if anybody's listened to you, I think you've, you're kind of right on these matchups. Um, it seems to be favorable matchups here for the Clippers and the fact that um, to me, the Clipper strength is a perimeter defense. Utah seems certainly happy to uh, try to score from the perimeter and, you know, kind of vice versa here. Um, and, and I have to say, um, O'Neal did a pretty good job on Kawhi in that first game yeah. uh, as far as his defense. So that was probably um, a good thing um, for for Utah in this series. You know, Paul George obviously had his opportunities, but, you know, as well as the Clippers were able to shoot from three, I thought it was interesting that the Clippers uh, continued to go small, although they did play their bigs. Um, But, you know, it'll be interesting to see if Cousins plays a little bit more um, in this series. And um, obviously Zubak gave him pretty good minutes. Here's the one thing that I'm really paying attention to and watching. I, I thought, um, the Clippers were a little bit soft as far as rim resistance all season long. I thought that was definitely a big hole for them. And Dallas didn't really try to exploit it um, in a, to a certain extent they couldn't, but you saw when Doncic was able to get to the rim, uh, that was when Dallas was playing at their best. The Clippers didn't, or I'm sorry, the Jazz did not seem that interested 
as far as um, getting the ball to the rib. You saw Donovan Mitchell do that a little bit in the second half when he got aggressive. I thought they would get a lot more easy baskets with the Gobert, um, and that simply didn't happen. So if Utah, again, is is happy to continue to just kind of shoot and fire from the three-point three, uh, you know, three point land and, and outside the lane, I think that kind of benefits the Clippers, too. We saw um, Kawhi kind of guard Mitchell a little bit towards the end of the game, which could be certainly a sign of, of things to come in the future, which is going to be positive for them in the matchup. So I think you're right. I still think um, perhaps Utah's sum is a little bit better than, than the Jazz or I'm sorry, than the Clippers parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think it's just, it's pretty even, man. Yeah, uh, I would agree with you. And on all counts, too, you, you know, Utah in game one, nine of 16 in terms of attempts within four feet of the basket. Uh, they did draw seven shooting fouls. And that was that was one of the things that really threw the Clippers, you know, out of rhythm. Ty Lue was scrambling for answers. You know, Reggie Jackson's a really big part of what they do. And Jackson was in foul trouble the entire game. He couldn't breathe on anybody without drawing a foul. He fouls out pretty early. Yeah, Kawhi and then, was in foul trouble early, yep, too. Yep, and and still, you know, and, and look at all of that. Foul trouble for their two key players. You get Marcus Morris going 1-9 from the floor. You get Paul George going 4-17. And yet here they are at the end of that game with a chance to tie it down three points. And, you know, it's funny. I got a lot of – I ruffled feathers the other day when I was like, yeah, look at all these things that went wrong. And then we lost by three. <laughs> and there was a lot of, well, the Jazz shot terribly too. It's like, yeah, they did. But you, you watch that. The regression actually happened in the second half. They were 50%, like, I think 54% right. from the floor, 44% from three in the second half. Like, the shooting came back big time for the Utah Jazz. So, like, yeah. I, I don't know, maybe I am wrong to feel confident in L.A. after a game one, but I, I felt perfectly fine watching that game go down the way it did. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think, yeah, certainly for full disclosure, Utah was able to win, you know, missing 20 shots in a row yeah. and, not score, and not scoring a basket. Uh, again, here's the numbers that, you know, I, I kind of look at here. In the first half, uh, Utah four of eight uh, shots within four feet of the rim uh, for the game nine of 14 nine nine makes 14 uh, 14 attempts 91 overall attempts so very few uh, of those shots coming at the rim which again I thought with Gobert they would have a little bit more offense from him inside so I think that's one thing to watch and if that doesn't improve for Utah I think it becomes a little bit more tougher for them. I will ask you, uh, last thing on this before we move on, Conley's presence, he's not going to play in game two. What does it mean if he comes back? Um, I, I think it means a little bit more probably defense than offense. Uh, I mean, you have Clarkson. Obviously, he's not super efficient offensively, but you know he's going to play with a little bit more pace. Uh, obviously, a capable scorer, a guy that can create uh, his own shots. Um, so I, I think it's, it's a little bit more. And then obviously he would maybe take away some of the usage, uh, from Donovan Mitchell. So I think it probably means maybe a little bit more to the total, a little bit more, uh, defense, uh, for Utah, but I think he would certainly, certainly, you know, is going to help them, um, and, and not hurt them. And you could just see, um, you know, kind of the drop off, you know, just not having him um, as far as, you know, the drop off on that bench a little bit, as far as Oni getting in there, playing eight minutes, um, you know, Niang 13, but Jordan Clarkson 28. You'd certainly like to to drop uh, Oni and Clarkson a little bit. 
Yep, I would agree with that. All right, let's go to the series, of course, that will not be played on Thursday. We have a lot more to get to with a couple of these. Uh, let us start with Philly and Atlanta. Uh, so I got in on Philly after game one, minus 110 on the series. So I will be sitting back and watching for the most part. Uh, Atlanta, a negative 32.1 net rating in the second half of both of these games. So that has not gone well. And I don't know if that speaks to adjustments or if the 76ers just get a little bit more comfortable in both of these matchups. Uh, but what have you seen up to this point? Because I think there's there's a lot of confidence in Atlanta after the game one win and the fact that they are, I think they what one loss at home since Nate McMillan has taken over. Uh, so I, there is a lot of people who believe in this Hawks team, but I, I think the matchups defensively work so well in Philly's favor that I have some pretty good confidence that they're going to win this thing in about six games. What have you seen? I have to say that, um, you know, obviously I was very impressed with the Hawks in game one. I think, you know, obviously for them to come out and shoot so well, they they still were able to um, garner those good shots. And, and I give them credit yeah. for kind of coming back from being punched and, and coming down. The big thing to me is obviously the matchup um, as far as, you know, Simmons guarding Trey Young. I mean, that's crucial. And I know people, a lot of people knocked uh, Simmons as far as only scoring four points in game two. I think that's that's not fair criticism at all. Uh, his job is uh, simply to, to stop Trey Young or at least hold him down. And he did that. And um, that's all that he needs to worry about. Obviously, the scoring is going to come from other parts. Uh, you know, they can get it uh, from Harris and obviously Embiid, Curry, et cetera, um, in that matchup. So uh, it, let's, let's, you kind of got to wait and see how Atlanta uh, will be able to adjust and free uh, Trey Young uh, in this matchup. I think that's kind of got to be the key as far as how they go now. But you're right. I mean, you know, Simmons and Thibel to be able to guard Trey Young, that's really going to be effective here, I think, uh, against Atlanta. And you're, you know, you're only going to slow him down. And and kind of with that, JVT, is how these games are going to be refereed. You know, they in game one, they moved Simmons over to Young, and then he picked up a quick foul, and kind of that was that. Trey Young so adept at getting uh, these guys into foul trouble. How about this? I'm going to throw this one at you. Um, Embiid was obviously um, unstoppable here. What, 76 points in the first two games. Clint Capella, uh, minus 25 plus minus ratio in 28 minutes. How about if they start Gallinari? Bench Capella? It's just, it's just so much what the NBA is about now. Yeah. Try to play at a fast pace, get it up and down game, try to wear Embiid out. Embiid's going to score no matter who you got in there guarding him. But, I mean, how crazy, if you if you have Trey Young and you have four shooters around him, um, I, I think that, that would be interesting. I'd love to see Atlanta kind of go to those lineups a little bit. Yeah. That'd be actually that's actually pretty fascinating. I would like to see I gotta run the numbers and see what they are with you know without Capella and Gallinari out there at the five because theoretically with five shooters around that would really work. I know that pick and roll between him and Capella is like a really big deal. Yeah. He loves to throw those lobs up, but at the same time, to your point, he just got bodied, Clint Capella, by Joel Embiid multiple times in that game, getting back down. Like he offers really nothing more in terms of rim protection. So if yeah, you can give mean, up those twos, you it, might as well trade threes. Right. I mean, Embiid, you know, he's he is a little limited. You know, he's yeah. definitely not moving around as fast uh, as he was able to. So if you got to have him go out and guard the three point land, um, I, I think 
I think, you know, why not? Why would you not ask him to, you know, wear himself out a, a little bit more in pace and defense, right? Yeah, no, that's a really good point. So we'll see. And, and McMillan's done a really good job, and he's done uh, pretty decent in terms of adjusting and, and changing his lineup. So we'll see if maybe that is something that intrigues him in a lineup like this because you'd really want to push Embiid on that knee because that would be pretty fa- that'd be a pretty fascinating matchup to watch him scramble around on one leg. Um, yeah. uh, let me see. I was going to ask you. I thought I was going to ask you one more thing about this. Right, we'll move on from this one. Then. You got anything else on this series before we go to the last one? Not really. I, I haven't um, – I, I... Um, you know, the, the Hunter injury, um, I I think that probably, you know, what certainly one nail in the coffin for Atlanta. Um, you know, I I thought he really helped them out in that Nick series as far as guarding Randall, et cetera. So, uh, he will be missed. Yeah. Uh, So I I ran these real quick. So one of the things to your point, ER, uh, maybe Danilo Gallinari and John Collins front court because they actually haven't played Gallo at center at all, according to cleaning the glass. But a lineup with Trey Young, Kevin Herter, Tony Snell, Danilo Gallinari, and John Collins, so small ball lineup, yeah. all shooters all around Trey Young, plus 24.9 in 174 possessions. So it's a small sample size, but regardless, you know, we're talking about an offensive rating of 134.5. So it's mm. going to be effective if you just go small, period. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, obviously, I talked about it earlier in the show. You can't uh, you can't get in there and handicap these games. What a coach or a team should do. Uh, yep. I certainly wouldn't expect that to happen. But after game two, and like I say, and B goes for forty, Capella's a plus minus a minus twenty five. You would think maybe they would would think of that and and see what happens. Yep. All right. Well, we saved the best for last. Not really. There seems to be a pretty big, pretty big gap here between Phoenix and Denver. I was joking the other day, so I think I got this wrong because I've got a Phoenix and six ticket at five, four or five to one, one of the two. Um, and I think I got it wrong because this might be like a five game series. You know, I still have faith that Denver. You know, Will Barton first game back, uh, he is going to provide them something, especially when they go back home. They arguably have the best player on the court in Nikola Jokic, so that's always worth something. But I just after watching the first two games. I can't find a route to two wins for Denver. Maybe one, but I can't find two out there. That's interesting, JVT. Uh, I bet Denver uh, pre-flop here, and it was just kind of based on my numbers. And, yeah. boy, you could clearly see um, <clears throat> that's not going to happen here with the, with the matchups, et cetera. I mean, you know, for, for Denver to not to come out and be even competitive uh, for the most part after the, the first quarter. Uh, last night and that's just it you know you have to have the players we you know we've talked about that and you knew at some point the loss of Jamal Murray uh, was going to hurt this Denver team and it's certainly been on display in this series Um, it it will be interesting to uh, see if Barton can give this team anything I think he did give them a little bit uh, but right. I mean, you know, where are you going to go? I mean, Michael Porter Jr. Minus 26 plus minus. Uh, he was dreadful. Uh, he had played pretty, you know, pretty well in that Portland uh, series. Some what of an answer for Jokic, you know, Aaron Gordon. I mean, it's funny. Um, you know, you saw like Vukovic give pretty much nothing to the Chicago Bulls and Gordon <laughs> not give a whole lot to Denver. You can see why Orlando was so bad but year after year, you know, why they why they waited to hang on to those guys so long. I'll never know, but Chris Paul obviously seeming seemingly healthier. I mean, Booker really hasn't even done anything yep. that much in this series uh, so far. But um, 
you know, so yeah, I'm afraid you're probably right now. Moving forward here, I, you know, I think if Denver is going to get one game, it'll certainly be game three. Uh, you know, interesting, Michael Malone calls out his team for quitting, which is always very dangerous uh, for a coach to to call his team quitters. Um, so um, how they respond to that will be interesting. Generally, the Nuggets have responded very well. So I would expect the Nuggets to come out kind of one of those first quarter, first halves, uh, play really good here. <clears throat> what is it tomorrow night? Uh, let me see. Uh, let me see. I got uh, Phoenix, Denver, one and a half total of two twenty two and a half. At yeah. This point right now. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this as we and I don't want to. We'll get out of here on this kind of a note. Um, a stranglehold on the series. It looks like the path is there for a Western Conference Finals. Initial thought on Phoenix <laughs> versus both Utah and Los Angeles, because I think they match up better with Utah than they would against L.A. I haven't really thought about it, <clears throat> to yeah. be honest. Um you know, I don't know exactly why, you know, you can give a couple excerpts why you, why you feel that way. So I haven't really thought about the matchup. Um, you know, I, I think that the Clippers uh, or Utah are, are certainly better than Phoenix. I mean, it, it's just so bizarre how things go. I mean, yeah. Phoenix was essentially an afterthought once the Lakers hit their stride and now uh, vying for a Western Conference championship. So I haven't really thought that far ahead. I mean, still very early. In both of these series, you don't know injury status or or what have you. But I mean, certainly, I would think um, that you know you're we're looking at Utah or, or the Clippers to advance uh, to, the, to out of the Western Conference. Yeah, you would think that I'm safe in saying that they're going to be an underdog to either one of those two teams. So you would think that. I mean, the, it's funny, you know, the way the market works. You are like I was talking to this the other day uh, uh, with Vinny on my guys in the desert. Before the postseason started, the Clippers were ahead of the Jazz at a lot of markets in terms of the futures boards. Uh, but because they struggle with the Dallas Mavericks yeah. and all of this, the perception changes, and all of a sudden the power rating changes too, right? And now the Jazz are ahead of them in all markets. So we'll see. I, I think it's pretty fascinating. But like you said, plenty of time. And we have seen a team look pretty, uh, we'll call it lethargic, down to nothing and end up winning the series. That would be the Clippers. So uh-huh. you never want to punt a, a little too early. All right, Aaron Renning at ER Sports One up on Twitter. Aaron, I appreciate the time early today. Thank you very much, sir. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.